Chapter 14 of the Outdoor Chums in the Big Woods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Outdoor Chums in the Big Woods by Captain Quincy Allen. Chapter 14 The Victim of the Bear Trap. By this time, the other boy had discovered their presence. He waved his hand and begged them not to desert him, as he would soon freeze to death. Frank had made up his mind no trap had been set for them, but that the agony of the poor fellow was genuine. Accordingly, he started on a run, with Jerry close at his heels. Without waiting to ask questions, Frank set to work to release the imprisoned boy. While Teddy had been unable to get around to press down heavily enough on the double springs of the bear trap, it was not a difficult job for Frank to do, assisted by Jerry. At first they almost dreaded to look closely at the leg of the released boy as he sat there in a heap, tenderly caressing it. When Frank did come to examine it, he was pleased to see that, after all, the damage was not so alarming. Luckily those springs have weakened with age, and then again the thick leather leggings you're wearing have helped to save you some, he told Teddy. The leg had been lacerated, more or less and must have been exceedingly painful. Teddy was miles away from camp. He did not have a gun, and Frank began to wonder what could have brought him there. Apparently he must have been in the old bear trap for an hour or two. How did it happen, Teddy? he asked for information. I don't know. Just how I came to tread in that old trap, the other replied, stopping his whimpering for a minute. I was just walking along, and thinking I'd soon get to old Joe's, when all at once it grabbed me. I thought at first I was killed, and then when I tried to get at the springs, it seemed like my leg was beginning to freeze. It scared me right bad. That's why I hollered. I thought Joe might hear me. Who's old Joe? continued Frank. Well, you see, he's a man that's running a fur farm over this way, Teddy explained. He raises skunks for their skins. He was taken with me when he dropped in at our camp and told me he wished I'd come over and stay the winter out with him. And were you on your way to his place when this happened? asked Jerry. The injured boy nodded his head in the affirmative. Frank was now down on his knees and starting to remove the legging. He meant to take a look at the wound, both to ascertain how serious it was, and perhaps do what he could to alleviate the suffering of the other. Did your uncle send you over to old Joe's? he asked Teddy. Bill Nackerson isn't really my uncle, you know, only a relation of some kind and I'm right sorry now I ever asked him to take me on a hunting trip. I've led a dog's life of it after he knocked me down after supper last night. I just couldn't stand it any longer. Then you ran away, is that what you mean? inquired Jerry, deeply interested by this time, and noting a bruise under Teddy's eye. Just what I did, muttered the boy. After what I heard Bill Nackerson saying, I got the notion in my head that I wanted to cut out of there. Even a skunk farm couldn't be quite so bad as he made it for me. Anyhow, I was willing to take the chances, but that trap nearly finished me. What if you hadn't heard me yelling? You'd have had a hard spell of it, that's sure, Frank admitted. As it was below the freezing point at the time, he fancied poor Teddy might not have lived to see another day. After he had examined the wound and managed to bind it up, he began to figure on what could be done. Plainly, the deer hunt must be given up for that day, it seemed to be ill-fated, seeing that so many postponements were necessary. Still, there was always a chance that on the way home they would pick up some partridges, which would have to do. 
Do you have any notion how far away this old Joe's place might be? Frank asked Teddy, thinking that their best plan would be to get the boy there, if it could be managed. I got an idea it was close by here, replied Teddy. He told me after I struck the little ravine on the trail, it wasn't more than a quarter of a mile off. If you think you can walk a little with us helping you, Frank continued, we might go on and see if we can find the place. Jerry was sniffing the air at a lively rate. Yes, she's close by. I give you my word for that, he announced, as though he believed he was on the right scent. Teddy seemed anxious to do all he could to help. He was desperately afraid the other boys might conclude to leave him, and as he was next to helpless, the prospect alarmed him. So they moved slowly along. Now and then the boy groaned a little, and this was at such times as he happened to give his leg a wrench. I hope you'll stand by me in case he ain't home, he ventured. Joe, he told me he might shut up shop here and go to town for a month so's to be treated by a doctor for trouble he's got. I'm taking big chances in coming over without letting him know anything about it. Well, we're nearly there now, observed Frank. There's a wire fence, exclaimed the injured boy. See how tight it's made? To keep the skunks from getting away. And I can see some sort of a cabin farther on, Frank announced. As they drew nearer, it struck them that everything looked deserted. Teddy was the first to voice his dismay. I don't see a whiff of smoke coming from the chimbley, he remarked. I'm afraid he's cleared out to town. Whatever will I do now? I just can't stay here, and as to getting back to Bill's place, I'd die on the way. They soon saw that the cabin was deserted. No doubt the razor of skunks had made such arrangements as were possible, so that his pets might exist while he was away. Frank knew there was only one thing that could be done. The wounded boy must be taken to their camp and looked after, for a short time at least. Later on, if he found he could walk fairly well, he might go back to the other cabin, in which the rival hunters were quartered. "'Let's see if we can find an old axe around,' Frank said. "'What are you meaning to do, break in the locked door?' Jerry inquired. Teddy looked anxious and full of curiosity besides. "'There'd be no use in doing that, because Teddy couldn't stop here all by himself,' Frank explained. "'What do we want an axe for, then?' continued Jerry. "'It's this way,' he was told. "'We'll have to get him back with us, because he can't be left here, and as he can't walk all the way, the thing for us to do is knock some kind of a litter together and carry him between us.' Jerry was immediately interested. "'Guess we can do that all right, Frank,' he exclaimed. "'And there's your axe over by the chopping block. It's a tough-looking thing, but might answer in an emergency like this.' "'You must never look a gift-horse in the mouth. It isn't right,' Frank told him, as he laid hold of the nicked axe and looked around for some poles of the proper type. "'That's where a tree was cut down some years ago,' Jerry told Frank. "'See what a nest of young growth has started up around the stump? They'd make great hop-poles, wouldn't they? And I don't see why we shouldn't get all we want for our stretcher right here.' "'We certainly can,' replied Frank, beginning to swing the apology for an axe. He soon began to fell the straight saplings by twos and threes. There would be no trouble about obtaining as many as they needed, it soon became apparent. When a stack had been trimmed off, the two boys started to work making a rude litter. All they had to fasten the poles together with consisted of their stout bandanas and some cord Jerry chanced to find in his coat pocket. As both lads were of an ingenious turn of mind, they managed to rig up a litter that looked pretty comfortable. Over the bars they spread a thick coat of hemlock, tearing off small branches so that the fragrant foliage might not be lost. 
and let me tell you remarked jerry when their work was finished i wouldn't mind being carried on such an elegant litter myself talk to me about oriental palanquins and jap gin rickshaws this has got the whole bunch beat if i do say as oughtn't teddy climb on and let's see how she goes teddy was only too willing to do so he gave each of the boys a grateful look that spoke louder than the words he used to express his thanks shucks don't mention it said jerry with a shrug of his shoulders why we wouldn't deserve to be called hunters if we did anything less when people go to the woods they ought to be willing to hold out a helping hand to anybody that's in trouble even if it's their worst enemy if we ran on bill fixed the same way we'd stand by him wouldn't we frank we'd feel that we had to was the reply it was with a feeling of chagrin that jerry found himself heading for home and walking at one end of the litter he managed to keep his gun handy and the first time frank spoke of seeing partridges close by the burden was hastily deposited on the ground and rifles in hand the young hunters crept toward the spot in this foray they succeeded in dropping two birds and that comforted jerry a little later on the operation was repeated and as several more partridges instead of taking themselves off insisted on perching in another tree a third brace fell to the aim of the marksman my mind is easy now declared jerry when they had deposited this assortment of game upon the stretcher alongside the wounded boy no starvation staring us in the face yet a while i am chuckling to think how the other fellows will stare when they see what we're bringing in with us you're mighty good to me muttered teddy and i'm a lucky feller to have run on you like i did i got a good mind to tell something maybe i will yet whatever he had on his mind frank could guess that it was weighing heavily he supposed of course that it had to do with bill nackerson perhaps teddy had heard something while in the rival camp that concerned some evil work the ugly sportsman had been concerned in after taking a number of rests on the way as the afternoon wore on they drew near their home camp jerry sent out a shout to warn will and bluff that they were coming he wanted to make sure that both were outdoors on the watch so that they might be mystified by seeing the hunters coming back in such a queer fashion just as jerry had anticipated there was a loud shout of wonder my whatever have you got will exclaimed rubbing his eyes is that the way you fellows fetch a deer home demanded bluff and then gaped anew when he discovered a head raised above the side of the litter end of chapter 14